With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. This is episode 46, and today is all about Meraki. So I'm Brianna Jordan. My Twitter handle is at BriannaJordan12, and I'll be playing the part of the moderator today. So we're set for a great time hosted by our esteemed Cisco champions who will lead the conversation with Joe and Simon Thompson. So uh, first, let's start off by having our Cisco experts introduce themselves. Joe, why don't you go ahead and start it off? Uh, My name is Joe Aronow. I'm the product marketing manager for the MX Security Appliance under the Meraki portfolio. All right, great. And Simon, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Yeah, hi, everybody. I'm Simon Thompson at uh, uh, Meraki. So I'm the product marketing manager for the Switch. uh, And you can find me on Twitter at Meraki Simon. Okay, great. And Joe, what is your Twitter handle? I let Simon deal with Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, if you would like to refer to Joe, refer to Simon on Twitter then. Okay, so now we're going to start with some introductions from our three guest hosts today. So, Ed, if you want to go ahead and start off, that'd be great. Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, Ed Walsh. I work for uh, EMC, part of our office of the CTO, uh, responsible for technology vision. I've been doing a lot of work with uh, Cisco and the Meraki products, so very excited to get an update today. Okay, great. And Chris Brown, not referring to the R&B singer, I am assuming. Will you please introduce yourself? I'm, in fact, not the R&B singer, but my name is Chris Brown. I go by at ChrisKnowsIT on Twitter. I'm the Senior Network Operations Manager for the largest professional trade association in Florida, supporting about 140,000 members. Uh, I'm a big fan of Meraki, as it's made my life a lot easier. Um, Started with a handful of MR34s, now have some brand new uh, MX84s, MX64s, MS-320s uh, and MR-34s throughout both our headquarters in Orlando as well as our branch office in Tallahassee. Nice. Okay. And Sam, hi. Good to talk to you again. Can you please... Good to talk to you again. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Sam Clements on Twitter. I'm at Samuel underscore Clements. Uh, I am a mobility practice manager for a large bar here in North America, and I've been uh, working with the fine folks over at Meraki since uh, prior to the acquisition by way of the uh, wireless field day events. Okay. So, Joe and Simon, Meraki is a pretty big universe and a pretty big topic. So, do you want to kind of give us an overview of what's new and specific areas people might want to hear about today? Joe, yeah, sure. I'll kick things off. So, uh, I, I just want to give you a quick, uh, quick overview. Make sure everybody's had a chance to see uh, what we've been doing around uh, the switches. I'll let Joe talk about the security appliances in just a moment. Uh, so, we recognised that uh, we had a small gap in our in our uh, portfolio. 
uh, specifically for customers who are wanting to build larger local area networks uh, and particularly build out their access layer. So we sometimes run into some challenges around the uh, fiber capacity that we find uh, running around our buildings. We also want to make sure that we're maintaining maximum throughput uh, between the access layer and the aggregation layer. So uh, rather than relying on the traditional Meraki approach, which has been standalone switches, relying on spanning tree for loop prevention, uh, we've now upped the game considerably by introducing a range of physically stackable switches. So we can now stack up to eight units high and provide uh, what we call cross-stack link aggregation from the access layer up to the aggregation layer. So we are basically uh, boosting the, the throughput between access and the aggregation layer by a factor of eight. And uh, we're eliminating the requirement for spanning tree there. Uh, and we're also freeing up the, uh, the fiber optic ports on the front of those switches by now introducing uh, dedicated stacking interfaces. So it's a pretty significant advance for us. And uh, I think one of the things that we might want to come back and talk about uh, at some point during the show is just talking about uh, stacking and, the, and what it really means to Meraki, because we've got a couple of different approaches to stacking. Uh, so I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but for now, what I'll do, I guess I'll just hand off to Joe for a quick, um, a quick intro around the uh, security appliances. Thanks, Simon. Um, so yeah, as Simon mentioned, some cool advancements on the switches around stacking. We've also got uh, some pretty significant changes in the MX portfolio as well on the security side. Um, two major things. One is that we've added a new security appliance, uh, the MX84, which was mentioned actually by one of our guest hosts already, uh, but it replaces the MX80. And that addresses an issue that we've seen where um, we've sort of been trying to address the issue of gaps within, within the MX portfolio, less about features and more about the hardware platforms where we would have a big gap between two of the platforms. So we have the MX64, we have the MX84 now. Prior to that, we had the 80 and then the 100. And there was a big space between the 80 fit in the network and where the 100 fit. Um, big throughput difference in terms of the capabilities. So the feedback we got was we don't want to have that situation where, you know, customer needs something a little bit more than the 80 uh, but doesn't want to go for a 100 because there's a significant cost difference there. So we released the 84 to kind of refresh the 80 with a more powerful platform uh, and make sure that we don't have these big gaps in the middle of the platform. So it's been sort of an update to the mid-range mid MX series. The 84 has two to three times the throughput of the MX80. It's also got a couple of SFP ports, and it's got more than double the port count overall. So it's a lot more flexible. You can deploy it in ways that the 80 might not have fit in quite as well, but it's at the same price point as the 80. And the other thing that we've added is actually uh, – the IWAN capability. So we've been talking about IWAN on Meraki for a number of months now, and some folks may be familiar with IWAN on the ISR and the other uh, Cisco Classic platforms as well. And it's, it's just a really cool suite of features around making the network smarter, right? Intelligent WAN, intelligent connectivity, making sure the network knows how to adjust to changing conditions, and making sure that traffic gets from point A to point B the most efficient way possible. So we wanted to adopt some of that into the Meraki platform, and the way that we've done that is by adding a couple of key IWAN features to the MX platforms. Uh, those are going into beta within the next couple weeks, so those are coming very, very soon. And it includes three major things. One is what we call active-active VPN, so the ability to create multiple VPN tunnels between the same locations and load balance traffic across them to so get efficient and more effective use of your bandwidth. 
Um, second is the ability to do policy-based routing in order to say, I want certain types of traffic to prefer a particular VPN path over another. Because let's say you want to use your VPN over MPLS for voice because it's lower latency, higher performance. Or the final piece, and probably my favorite piece of it, being uh, what we're calling dynamic VPN path selection or just dynamic path selection, uh, which is similar in some ways to Cisco's PFR technology. It allows you to create performance criteria and route traffic over the VPN based on the performance, based on the loss, latency, and jitter that we're seeing over the different paths. So you can make sure we're always using the best and the highest performance path for a particular type of traffic, whether it's voice, um, CRM traffic, whatever it happens to be. Great. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Yeah, this is Sam. You know, the Cisco's, um, uh, you know, been touting uh, the IWAN technology for some time. Can you compare Meraki's IWAN solution and contrast it a little bit with what we, with what sort of the regular uh, uh, dyed-in-the-wool Cisco ISR-based uh, products are uh, are calling IWAN? Absolutely. Um, so I think of it as actually lining up really well with the more general differences between, let's say, the ASAR or the ISR and the MX in the security space. The focus on what I like to call ISR, IWAN, um, is very much around feature density, right? There's a ton of different capabilities. They have Akamai caching. They have a ton of different tunable features built in to this IWAN platform um, that are all designed to give you really fine-grained control over the traffic in your network and the way that that traffic is treated. The Meraki approach, similar to the differences in, in the rest of the platform, right, is to take kind of the key functionality, the pieces that we feel are the, the largest groups of the use case, and make it very straightforward. So if you uh, look, there's actually a, an IWAN blog post up on the Meraki blog at meraki.cisco.com blog, easy enough, that has a couple of screenshots of sort of our beta UI for Meraki IWAN, and it's very Meraki right? It's, it's very similar to what you see in other parts of dashboard, where it's really just a few fields that you fill out and a couple of lines that you click, and it sort of self-configures from there. So functionality-wise, we're focused on the three pieces of functionality I mentioned, the active VPN, uh, policy-based routing, and dynamic path selection, whereas ISR IWAN has other functionality as well. I mentioned the Akamai caching. They've got uh, some very specific voice functionality built around Cisco Voice, some of which we can do as well with the performance-based um, analytics. But we focus on those three particular things, and we try to make them very, very simple and very easy to configure. Does that answer your question, Sam? Yeah, it sure does. Thank you. Okay, my other guest hosts, do you have any questions or comments or something you've been thinking about in Meraki that you want to ask? Hi, this, this is Ed Walsh. Hey, I have a I have a question. Um, you know, obviously this Meraki technology uh, fits it, it, very well in the use cases you described, right? The large uh, wireless LAN networks at uh, remote offices and um, uh, you know enterprise office buildings and, and things like that. Could, could you talk, Simon, about maybe some of the uh, other use cases that you're starting to look at? I, I would assume there'd be a natural fit into some of the IoT uh, types of solutions that, that Cisco is starting to uh, build out as well. Could, 
you just talk maybe a little bit about where you see the Meraki technology going in the future and, and the use cases that uh, you're looking to uh, attack with this? Well, so if I had a dollar for every time <laughs> I was asked for roadmap in various different kinds of ways, uh, I could be a wealthy man and retire a little bit early. Um, <laughs> but more seriously, we are, uh, let, let's be very clear about Meraki. We have a North Star that we're always aiming towards, and that North Star is simplifying IT. So we started life as a network infrastructure company, and that's very much where we're at right now. Uh, but we can, I can absolutely assure you that we are investigating other areas of IT where it makes sense for us to take the same kind of approach and try and lighten the load of the network administrator. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, slide, which um, I guess we're not doing slides today, but, we, but uh, I can describe it for you easy enough. Um, it shows all the different uh, network services that typically sit within the data center uh, that previously um, IT administrators have had to separately understand, uh, learn how to configure, uh, power, cool, license, support, and so on. And we have consolidated already a significant number of traditional IT services. I'm talking about things like uh, DHCP, DNS, uh, uh, network address translation, the list goes on quite long, uh, that we have consolidated as part of the Meraki uh, experience overall. Now, as having got the network infrastructure, I think, into quite good shape, uh, we still have a ways to go, but we are getting all the time feedback from our customers asking for uh, new features and additions to what the, the, the platforms are capable of operating. And I can tell you that we have a, a big challenge on our hands at Meraki, I think, walking a fine line between uh, that simplicity mantra that we are constantly aiming towards and providing the feature capabilities that our customers are, uh, are demanding. Because it's quite understandable that as more and more customers the Meraki approach and fall in love with it, uh, they're going to say, okay, well, I love how you guys are doing things, but I need this feature. And so th this is something which is sort of taxing us on a day-to-day -day basis. We have a meeting about this every single week uh, where we go through the kinds of uh, innovations and changes that we're potentially looking at in the dashboard. And we're very critical uh, before actually allowing any of that through and onto the dashboard that our customers experience because we want to maintain that, that clean and uninterrupted interface. Uh, so I haven't really directly answered your question. Uh, quite deliberate, I have to say, because we're certainly not going to be giving away anything uh, that we have planned for 2016, although I can assure you it's going to be a very interesting year uh, to be associated with Meraki. Um, just keep in mind that uh, I think if you focus on the, the idea that uh, Meraki is all about simplifying IT, not just network infrastructure, you're going to be on the right kind of lines. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback on what you think uh, Meraki could be uh, really uh, attacking next, uh, low-hanging fruit. Uh, by all means, let's uh, open it up and uh, jump in and let me know what you think. And what's the best way to give you that feedback? Well, we can chat about it right now. <laughs> Come on, man. That was a wide open door. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we we love to hear other people's ideas because, of course, we, we have our own and uh, we think a pretty good handle on uh, on what to attack next. Uh, but at the end of the day, you guys are actually out in the field. You're taking these products out to customers and you're seeing other pain points that they're experiencing uh, where we could potentially uh, attract some attention there. So, you know, we can talk about it on the on the show here. Uh, we're all I'm always open. Ears are always open on Twitter. Uh, I love hearing uh, you guys' feedback. Um, Sam, I know you're, you're you always love to share that with us. So uh, 
you know, don't be shy, the rest of you, please. If you uh, if you think that uh, Meraki makes a good fit for other areas of what you're doing with your customers, please just say so. Chris Brown, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> that was nice of you. Um, you're welcome. Simon, I think, I think kind of along those lines, um, Meraki's done a really good job of kind of remarketing themselves to educate the uh, customers that, you know, Meraki solutions aren't just an SMB product. And I think you guys have done a really good job of that over the past couple of years. Um, based off the webinar that I attended right before this one, uh, I think, Joe, you were mentioning you guys are seeing 517,000 active networks. Um, is that correct? Yeah, that's about where we're at. It's 517,000 and changed across uh, 120,000 organizations with, I want to say, over 1.5 million Meraki devices active in the last 24 hours, not counting systems manager endpoints. Yeah, and I think that just kind of goes to, to kind of put in perspective. I, I know, you know, we had looked at Meraki a couple years ago um, before the acquisition and just kind of the leaps and bounds and the, the innovation that's really kind of gone in over the past couple years um, and, and kind of having people reevaluate where those products and solutions fall um, compared to some, some competitors is, is definitely worthwhile. Yeah, I, I certainly agree, but then I'm sort of paid to agree. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing that we're seeing that, that I really like is we're seeing both our sales team uh, and partners out there in the world, like yourselves, re-engaging existing customers who, let's say, have Meraki wireless or have Meraki switching or have Meraki security or MDM. They have one or two of the products and going back in with what we call the full stack. So we've done a lot uh, in the last year or so in particular, maybe a year and a half, to really improve the value of a combined Meraki stack where you have multiple products working together. Uh, we've got you know, policy application via a device posture with our MDM, with Systems Manager, tying in with what we call Sentry policies. We've got AutoVPN. We've got you know, the topology on dashboard that'll show you your entire network layout and how everything's connected and allow you to trace all the way through the network. So trying to really increase the value of, okay, we get you know, lots of great value out of one product, but it increases exponentially the more Meraki products you have kind of interoperating. Um, so that's, I think, a great opportunity for us and for partners to go in and re-engage with customers and say, hey, you love Meraki Wireless, right? Because for a long time, we were a primarily wireless company. It's still the majority of our business today by a pretty slim margin. But going back in and saying, well, okay, let's look at what we can do for you in security. Let's look at what we can do for you in switching an MDM and really trying to make sure those customers get, as Simon likes to call it, the full Meraki experience. Um, and that's something I'm really excited about is, is we don't just have an opportunity to go out and talk to new customers or refresh existing customers with the solutions that they've already got. We can talk to them about new and exciting things that we can do in the interface that they already use today to manage at least one component does anyone have any comments on that? Uh, I think it's good. I want to know more, more about this switch that uh, that, uh, that Mr. Maraki Simon uh, pitched at the beginning of the call, though. Oh, hi. Uh, it looks like Joe's audio might have cut out there for a second. Having some fun. Uh, sorry, Sam. You meant you mentioned something about switches. Uh, only in the context of you mentioning something about switches. You said something earlier about a stackable one? Yeah, Simon, right. I think Sam's talking about the MS350. If maybe you could give us some some details on that. 
Yeah, I think he might be. Okay, so uh, MS350 is our, our new stackable line of switches, the one, the, really the line of switches I was referencing earlier on. There are five models, so 24 and 48 port, power and non-power, and there are some new things about this switch. Uh, physical stackability is, is, uh, is uh, uppermost amongst those, uh, but also we have made a few changes around the back of that switch. So we have added now a dedicated management port. Previously, uh, if you wanted to get access to the simple local interface for maybe setting up a static IP address or a proxy address to get out to the internet, uh, you needed to uh, access one of the user interfaces on the front of the switch and you know some customers are not too happy about that. They don't really like the idea of that being uh, accessible uh, to uh, all of the people out in the uh, out in their office areas. And you know if you uh, if you need to get access to that, then we need to be able to provide it in a more dedicated way. So what we've done is put a dedicated management port on the back of that switch. Obviously, gets you straight into that interface. It isn't going to tie up one of your 24 and 48 ports uh, on the front of that switch. We then have the dedicated uh, stacking interfaces. And it is worth pointing out that with the Meraki approach, there's no stacking interface to purchase. It's not a separate module. It's actually built right into the switches. So that's a slight differentiator for at least one of the Cisco families and certainly a number of our compressors as well. So with that built in, you have, uh, it's actually a QSFP-based interface. And right in the box with your 350, you're going to get a half meter stacking cable. It's actually possible to build a stack up to eight units high if they're sitting directly one on top of the other, uh, just using the free included stacking cables that come with the switch. So if you're using uh, uh, cable guides, you're trying to keep things nice and tidy in your racks, which I would definitely recommend, uh, then you would probably want to look at getting additional stacking cables. We have one meter and three meter uh, cables in addition for you to, uh, to make use of. Uh, if we move across a little bit further, then we have the uh, the new hot swappable, field replaceable, variable speed fans. So that's uh, that's uh, quite a mouthful. 16K fans, front to back cooling. And so those are going to be now uh, used uh, on both the, uh, the 350 series and also on uh, future models that we are currently uh, working through in development. And that, of course, supplements the uh, dedicated uh, power supplies that were built in already. Uh, so we already had those uh, redundant power uh, built into the 320. We've just added the fans in there as well. So it's now a truly robust uh, solution for our customers to make use of. Uh, that's really um, focusing specifically on the hardware. Uh, but let's think about what we've done a little bit in terms of uh, performance in particular. So one of the first things people want to know about when we start talking about physical stacking is, okay, what's my Mac bandwidth? What am I going to be able to run between these switches? Using a technology called spatial reuse, we are able to achieve a figure of 160 gigabits per second. And uh, the spatial reuse is really referencing uh, something we call destination stripping, which simply means that if you're sending a packet from let's say switch one to switch four on the stack ring, then once it reaches stack, uh, stack unit four, it's going to be stripped from the ring. So it's not going to continue to traverse all the way around, which was the case with, uh, with previous versions of stacking. So this is like a way of making maximum use of all the lanes on your highway and keeping them full all the time uh, between all destinations. So it's a really nice uh, way in which we've we've approached this, a very good level of performance that prepa uh, compares extremely favorably with the market. And of course, it's now, as I said, providing you with up to eight uh, uplinks to your uh, to your aggregation layer, which of course, I'm sure 
uh, would be a Meraki MS420 switch. My guest host, do you have any comments to that or, or experience with that? So uh, I'm interested to hear from uh, from those who've joined us on the call today. Have anybody, has anybody actually deployed uh, the aggregation switch at this point? No, I, I haven't. But you know, we we've been hearing stacking out of Meraki for uh, for a really long time in the way of uh, of virtual stacking. So when we start talking about actually being able to use a physical stacking interface, um, it it certainly makes it certainly fills a pretty significant void that I think was present in the product lineup. Uh, prior to it, so I, I'm really, really glad to see, uh, to hear rather that uh, we get physical stacking capabilities. The virtual stacking was was nice, but it was it always felt sort of halfway there. So I'm I'm very glad to see the uh, the physical stack come through. Appreciate that feedback, thanks, Sam. Um, is anybody on the call at all unclear about virtual versus physical stacking? Because this is something which I, I think could potentially confuse a few people. I'm guessing most of you guys are pretty technical, so you'll probably swallow it down nice and easily, but uh, I'm happy to clarify if it helps. I think that would be helpful. Okay, so when Meraki came to market with its switch line, this was at the beginning of 2012, uh, we had a really nice, well, we had a couple of really nice differentiators. Obviously, the cloud management and the, the layer seven traffic visibility was a huge big deal for the switching market to have that built right into the switch. But another uh, real nice differentiator that we were talking about right from the beginning was something we call virtual stacking. So with stacking, you've really got, I, I think of two primary benefits of, of stacking switches. One of those is obviously performance between those switches. So where you have a lot of what we call horizontal traffic between uh, clients that are accessing the network, then it makes sense to have a very high performance uh, connection between those. So creating something like a virtual backplane, which we've been doing with stacking for, well, what's it now? This must be approaching nearly 20 years now. Uh, it, this is really going to make a, a significant difference for that type of traffic. Uh, it makes it, it's, it's slightly less of an impact for uh, what we would call the north-south traffic, the stuff that's going up to servers and out to the internet. But of course, it just depends on how you're using your network. So Physical stacking definitely has an advantage there, but the other advantage of stacking is the ability to treat multiple physical switches as a single logical entity, which means that when we log in, we get management convenience. We can configure multiple ports across multiple switches uh, simultaneously. And we've been able to do that with uh, physically stacked units for, well, really since the dawn of, of uh, stacking. But what we're now uh, able to do with virtual stacking is remove the limitation of a stacking cable. So we're able to say, okay, if you want to group your ports together, uh, let's say you want to uh, assign a standard across your organization that you're working with. Let's say ports one to 10 are dedicated to VoIP phones. So you could tag those ports as voice over IP. You can then do a search against that tag, and then you're going to see potentially thousands of ports across a very large deployment. And you can go in and edit all of those ports simultaneously. So I always describe this as, uh, to use the old Unix term, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, this is a very powerful tool, potentially. It will warn you if you're trying to edit uh, uplink ports or anything which is likely to break your network or your connection to it. Uh, but it is really very powerful from a management flexibility perspective. 
So virtual stacking has been a really nice uh, way of getting around the stacking problem for Meraki since the beginning. But as Sam alluded to, you know, it really is uh, table stakes to have uh, physical stacking in place, particularly as we start to look at larger network deployments. So an enterprise network is not going to be seriously considering standalone switches for its deployment. Um, so the Meraki story up till now has been very effective for uh, branch deployments, We've got maybe two or three uh, switches or maybe even a slightly number, large number than that, and you don't have a problem with fiber uh, capacity. But once you start getting up to the, the enterprise class networks, uh, clearly you're going to run into capacity issues. You then have to think very seriously about throughput and reliability. So I think it makes sense to add the physical stacking. From a configuration standpoint, I just want to clarify that Virtual stacking does not go away with the advent of physical stacking. It's not like an either-or. Either you get the benefits of virtual stacking with both standalone and physically stacked switches. So in other words, you go and select ports 1 to 10 uh, on every single one of the switches. It doesn't matter whether those are physical or virtual stacked. Uh, you're going to be able to monitor, uh, manage them all simultaneously. So I think it's a really nice combination and clearly it's going to be an opportunity for you all to, to go out to your customers and talk to, to them about uh, you know, really building largest networks with Meraki, uh, Meraki switching. So uh, to jump in here, uh, we got a great question in the chat that I want to address. Brad was asking, for SMBs looking at a firewall solution, What's the compelling story around when to select Meraki MX versus when to select ASA? Uh, and he also was curious if I could dive a little bit into the SourceFire IPS integration. So I'll tackle those kind of separately. I do want to expand the first question a little bit and not just talk about SMB, um, because as we've sort of mentioned a couple times today, we've expanded the reach of the Meraki portfolio, and we're really trying to address the enterprise use cases, SMB, campus, um, education, regardless of what the market or the customer vertical happens to be. But I think the real differentiator in terms of when the MX is the right solution versus when the ASA is the right solution centers around the management experience that the customer wants to have. So I've actually been working uh, pretty closely with some folks on the ASA marketing team to really try to nail what is the positioning, what is the desired use case and there is a lot of overlap, to be honest. But the big difference is if you want really intuitive, seamless management, especially if you want it across multiple platforms where you already have you know, other Meraki solutions that you want to work with your security solution, that's where MX really shines because the focus is so heavily on that simplicity that Simon talked about and that North Star of making networking and making IT easier. Um, so in a lot of cases, they're both viable from a functionality perspective. You know, the ASA and the MX share a lot of features, but if the end goal is to make sure that managing and deploying the network is very, very simple and requires little management overhead, um, especially if you have a lean IT environment where you don't have a full staff of CCIEs available to manage your network, that's where Meraki really shines. And that's across markets and across products. Um, it's not just MXASA, but then you look at the ASA, and the ASA is incredibly powerful. I mean, there's a reason that it's been kind of the industry-leading NGFW for years, and that reason is that it's got incredible power and incredible flexibility. 
But to some extent, that does come at the expense of management simplicity, right? That balance that we talked about. So it's a question of which is more important to you, having you know every feature under the sun and being able to fine tune to an incredible degree, which is important in some deployments, or being able to manage it simply and easily, which is more important to certain other customers. So that's that's really the trade-off in mind. Um, I think, I think just to jump in there quick, Joe, I, I think the beauty is that Cisco has, I think, very wisely uh, kept the two portfolios key strengths, you know, the key, the two different approaches absolutely uh, uh, separate. And I think that is the right way to, to tackle this. It means that uh, regardless of uh, customer type, we've got a solution for them. And we even talk in some cases about where it makes more sense to to put in uh, something from the traditional uh, portfolio. A classic example of that would be a very large campus uh, land deployment with uh, a lot of big scale switching. You, once you get up to the core layer in the switching network, you typically start to require a lot more functionality. Uh, uh, the feature set certainly needs to be broader and the performance level even more so. So really it makes sense there to to put in Frankly, the platforms that we know and love uh, from old with Cisco and the Cat 45s and 65s are purposed for that and have, of course, a huge legacy behind them to to back that up. So it's not that uh, Meraki will never be looking at that particular market segment. We may well do so at some point in time. Uh, but for the time being, it makes sense to focus on the strengths uh, in, in their respective places. So uh, we will happily talk to customers about getting better visibility and management across uh, potentially thousands of access layer and aggregation layer switches. Uh, but for those relatively few core switches, you tend to have those in the location where your IT staff has the competency to be able to, to manage those without significant uh, cost to the business. Yeah, I think um, to jump back in and tag on to what Simon said, <laughs> not to continue doing this forever, but uh, there's also a lot of interest internally, and, and I've seen it from partners and customers as well, around the hybrid model, which I'm a big fan of, actually. And especially in MX land, it's it's kind of a common theme for deployments for the larger customers. It's less the case for SMBs and more for enterprises, retail. Um, but where you see Meraki at the branch and you see you know Cisco Classic infrastructure in the data center or potentially campus or headquarters. So for the MX, that takes the shape of MX64s or 84s in the branches because the HQ IT team can manage all of that and deploy all of that very easily from headquarters due to the cloud management, hooking back into a VPN concentrator that's also an MX in the data center or campus. Um, and then the actual infrastructure from there on out to the internet, maybe Catalyst or Nexus, ASA, right? ASA with Firepower Services, ID. Um, so that hybrid deployment, I think, gives you the best of both worlds because it addresses the strengths of Meraki in the branch and the strengths of other Cisco solutions in the campus or uh, in the data center. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll see more of those capabilities start to overlap, but it's a really powerful solution with where we are now. Um, I want to very quickly talk about the source for IPS since Brett asked about that as well. Uh, all I'm going to say is we have the SourceFire IPS engine running natively on the MX. So it's similar to, from a actual IPS functionality perspective, what you'll see uh, out of the Firepower Services ASA boxes. It is not integrated into Firesight. Instead, it 
is part of Dashboard, right? All the management and reporting is in Dashboard to keep it unified in that Meraki platform. And I also will say that one thing we're really looking into is other Cisco technologies, right? Like the source for IPS that we might be able to integrate with because there's a lot of great technologies under the Cisco umbrella that we may be able to leverage to provide a better experience to customers. So that's something we're kind of excited about. And some of those platforms may also be SourceFire platforms and some may come from elsewhere in the Cisco ecosystem. That was a lot of great information. Does anyone have anything to say about that? Or comments or questions? Or opinions. Or opinions. Wait, Joe, did you just give away some roadmap information? <laughs> Nothing specific. I think somebody just said that. I was going to say, you know, it's it's. I've seen the the Meraki product portfolio mature over the past couple of years, and it, it's good to see where it, where it's come to. And I'm I'm very excited to see where it's going to go next. I think that uh, I think that you know, Typer deeper deeper integration with um, you know, sort of the 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 core Cisco technologies that we all know and love. I think is uh, is key. And you, I think you just uh, you said that everything under the Cisco sun is going to move over to Meraki, right? We can go back to recording, and that's what we yeah, I think that's exactly what I said. Now you've got me. You got me on record. No, I, personally, um, I'm a huge fan. Like I come from a Cisco background. Uh, before I came to Meraki, I was actually a Meraki customer, and we used MRs for wireless. And uh, we were actually a hosted software company. We weren't called cloud yet because the buzzword hadn't caught on. But we now, if you look at that same company, they refer to themselves as a cloud software company. But uh, in our data centers used ASAs and Catalyst. In our branches, we used ASAs, Catalyst, and MR. And I was a huge fan of the simplicity of Meraki, but I also love a lot of the cool functionality and cool products that Cisco offers elsewhere in the portfolio. So what we can do to take the Meraki, Meraki MX capabilities, because it is a UTM, it is designed to have a ton of different features built in. If we can pick and choose some great features and great products elsewhere in the Cisco ecosystem and build them in, that's a win-win. It's a win for us. It's a win for our customers. That's great. Okay. I'm going to call out Ed Walsh. Do you have any questions or comments? I think I think that was a great update, <laughs> and I, uh, I I agree that the more that you can integrate the goodness of Meraki with the uh, core capabilities of the traditional Cisco networking stack, uh, that, uh, that that'll be the real superpower, um, and uh, provide some additional capabilities that uh, folks are looking for. I was wondering if you could maybe hit a little bit on um, some of the cloud management capabilities that you have with your with the Meraki devices and uh, where you see some of that going um, as, as you move forward okay let's let's see if we can understand your question correctly Ed so uh, you're you're familiar with the the cloud architecture I'm assuming uh, is there any specific elements you're you're thinking of there well, I'm particularly interested in the, you know, over the web update capabilities that you have and the ability that you have to obviously monitor the devices. Are, are you able to use any of that information for, uh, to, you know, for 
of product improvement or usage type of things? How are you using how are you using that data for things other than managing the active state of those devices? Sure. So there's a couple of different considerations there. One is aggregating data we already have uh, and presenting it to customers in new and exciting ways. And that's uh, an example of that, although it's not really a security or switching functionality, is the CMX capability on the access points, right? Taking data that we already have that we're seeing from wireless probes and building it into location data about devices we're seeing near the access points. So on that front, there are certainly other areas we can explore um, around how to use the data that we have today and build kind of portals into that data that give all kinds of context-aware information to customers. And that's something we're always looking at. The other side of that is sort of the big data question, which is it sounds like it's more what you're kind of yeah. driving toward, is if we've got all this information about all these different networks all over the world, what can we do with it? To me, there's a lot of exciting capabilities or exciting possibilities there, but there's also a little bit of cringe factor because I, I worry about taking all the customer's data and using it for something other than what they're using it for. Um, that's more a personal bias than anything. But we've generally avoided kind of the big data, data aggregation stuff in the past. It's not to say we won't move into it in the, move into it in the future, sorry. Um, but if you have specific ideas, we would love to hear them. If you, you know, have something you think we could do with all this data, we're happy to hear that. We do brainstorm about it internally, um, but we want to make sure we walk that line of not bringing up privacy concerns or data privacy concerns when we're using customer data because we really don't interact with customer data. We just provide the portal for the customers to interact with it themselves. So just to add to that a little bit, keep in mind that Meraki is a, a fully HIPAA compliant solution. We're also PCI compliant to level one, which is the most stringent level of PCI uh, compliance. And those kind of standards uh, are very important to us in our business. So uh, a very good website to, to have a look at if you haven't already seen this one. Particularly good if you want to show it to your customers. Maybe you're familiar with the story already. Uh, Meraki.cisco.com forward slash trust goes into a lot more detail uh, around those that we, that we adhere to in our general philosophy. Also keep in mind that the data that we are able to uh, retrieve uh, is effectively metadata. It's information about the traffic that our customers are generating. And so that's purely used for uh, enabling uh, the customer themselves to see what's going on in their network. It's the only way in which it's used today. And just to give you a sense of our instincts in this area, think about uh, what we do around CMX location analytics. So we're very careful to uh, to respect uh, the privacy of our customers. And this goes as far as the fact that Meraki itself does not harvest the MAC addresses that are collected uh, by uh, the APs when they're doing that location analytics. We actually put those MAC addresses through a one direction hash and are then able to use the resulting uh, the resulting figure as a unique identifier so that we can then put that into CMX analytics. So this is very much a focus area for us. We provide an opt-out for uh, for individuals who do not wish to have specific MAC addresses tracked in that particular way. So that's really, I think, in, an indication of our instincts in that area. Of course, there's more that we could do, but mm -hmm. for the time being, the, the, uh, the kind of customers that we are doing business with, we're still fighting the battle around uh, cloud architecture and is it, is it secure and is my data being passed through the cloud? 
it's very important that we we keep a, a robust uh, story around that. Sure. You know, some of my thoughts around uh, this was you could create a opt-in capability, right, for customers that maybe wanted to share some additional information, um, but then be able to compare maybe their setups, their performance uh, that they're seeing with, you know, other similar types of, of customers. But I understand mm-hmm. the, the tightrope that you're you're talking about having to walk from a, a security perspective, and it's probably not uh, not not for everybody's uh, uh, consumption it's, either. So yeah, it's 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 a real tough one. But, but you know, if, give you an example of of how we're able to sometimes uh, play this slightly differently. Uh, I've talked about CMX location analytics based around uh, Wi-Fi probing of uh, of SSIDs and uh, and MAC addresses. That is one approach to providing analytics. Another one that we could potentially uh, make use of is the beacon technology we've put into our MR32s. The approach there is very different. So with uh, Wi-Fi-based analytics, we are really having to rely on an opt-out for customers who do not wish to have uh, their their, um, device discovered, if you like, by the Meraki uh, platform and added to the, those analytics. With mm-hmm. the, beak, the beacon approach, I really prefer this personally, but it certainly hasn't been taken up too much by the market up till now, because all we're doing with the beacon is simply just saying to a smart device, look, uh, you are in the proximity of this beacon. There is so much that you can do with just that tiny piece of information. Uh, and you may have seen some apps which are available, which are uh, beacon aware that can be basically fired, an action can be fired on your uh, smartphone based around your proximity to a specific uh, access point. So think about a, a bakery, for example. You could have place an order online. Maybe a bakery. What am I talking about? Pizza. That's a much better example. Order your <laughs> pizza on your app. You walk into the pizza shop, and there it is. It's uh, they, they are aware that you've arrived in the shop. They deliver it to the counter, uh, and the, the transaction is nice and smooth. Uh, another great example on the Beacon side that I, I heard of, which I really like, is... Uh, the idea where you could go on and do some online shopping, uh, but uh, like with many people with online shopping, a lot of carts get abandoned before the purchase button is actually uh, recorded at the end. What you do here is actually the, the app on your device could record the fact that you got as far as uh, putting something into your cart, but you never purchased it. You then wander into their physical store, and guess what? They're going to be aware of this. They can then potentially entice you with perhaps a, a special discount or, uh, you know, letting you know that they have the device, that whatever it is that you wanted to purchase in stock, have it ready for you to pick up right at the exit. So there's all sorts of stuff that you can do here. And that's a little bit more uh, of an opt-in because clearly people need to install an app on their device in order to take advantage of that kind of technology. But I think of that a little bit like the, the store card option. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you call them store cards in the US. You call them store cards? No, Loyalty, no cards. You're talking about. Loyalty ah. cards, maybe. So this is, really, you know, you, you, you carry around quite voluntarily a loyalty card in your wallet because you're getting something out of it. That's the only reason you would potentially do it. And uh, we can do the same kind of thing with apps and we have a lot more flexibility there. So I'd, I'd love to see the, the market really taking a little bit, uh, paying a little bit more attention in this area because I think there's a lot, lot of potential. That's great feedback. Thank you. Okay, is there any more questions? We have about eight minutes left in the call, so we have some room for some Q&A. Chris Brown, can I call you out? 
Sure you can. Um, I guess, Simon or Joe, do you maybe just want to quickly touch upon some of the um, troubleshooting tools that are kind of built into the Meraki infrastructure? So I'll, I'll kick off on the switches and then uh, I'll let Joe talk about the security appliances. The, I think the troubleshooting capabilities we have on the switch are another very clear example of differentiation for Meraki. Uh, I'm sure many of you on the call will have at some point in your lives done a, uh, a Wireshark style packet capture. And you will know therefore that you need to be setting up a port mirror. You need to be physically there with the switch to plug into it to collect all that traffic. Uh, you might need to plug a hub in if you want to see it as well. It's another way of doing it. Uh, this means if you are trying to manage sites that are thousands of miles away from you, uh, you've got a bit of a problem. You need somebody who can who can competently do that. Uh, Meraki provides you the ability to run uh, troubleshooting at the packet capture level, super deep analysis, and get your PCAP file straight onto your computer uh, without having to leave your armchair. So it's a huge uh, really a huge benefit for remote troubleshooting to try and save those journeys uh, by uh, uh, some guy in a van going out to a location to try and get a problem fixed. Um, cable test is another good example of this. A lot of problems in the networking space start at the physical layer. Uh, it's always a good place to check first. Is the cable plugged in? And then does the cable actually work? Are the four pairs within the cable actually functioning correctly as they should be? We can now analyze that. We can look at the uh, we can run a resistance test to look at the length of that cable uh, to see if it's within the acceptable standard for gigabit Ethernet, for example. So that's just a couple of examples on the switch slide. Let me uh, hand over to Joe for MX. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm not going to let Simon take the packet capture for himself because that is a capability that exists on the MX and actually the MR access points as well. But it is one of my favorite troubleshooting capabilities. And it's something that our support team uses all the time. So when a customer calls in and they say, hey, I'm having this issue, and it turns out to be something that support wants to escalate to engineering, or they just need to get a deeper look into, they'll tell the customer, hey, take a, pick, take a packet capture form. And instead of having to walk them through taking a packet capture some you know more complicated way, they can just point them to the page and dashboard and say, hey, take a capture for 30 seconds while the issue is happening, and then send it to me, or upload it to the case. Um, so that's probably my favorite, and it's across all the hardware platforms at Meraki. We also do have some live tools specific to the MX, and whereas the switch ones tend to be focused on layer two, um, you get you know cable tests and kind of RPing capability, things like that, the MX ones are focused more heavily on layer three. And there are some layer three ones on the switch as well. I don't want to pretend there aren't. Um, but the, the MX ones tend to focus more around DNS resolution, pings, trace routes, uh, web tests, right, and making sure that you have connectivity and the services that you need are available and are working through the MX out to the internet so that your users have the experience you want them to have, or if they're not having that experience, identifying which specific piece is broken. So if you're anything like me, uh, you've certainly run into issues where people say the internet is down, and it turns out the internet is fine, but DNS is broken, right? So being able to quickly and easily identify things like that makes life a lot easier for the IT administrator. Any comments on that, guys? Okay, we only have a couple minutes left um, for Cisco experts. Do you guys have anything you really wanted to get out before the end of the call? 
so I'm, I'm just going to throw a couple of more things out and then I'll be quiet. Um, first of all, Systems Manager. I think this product is uh, the, the secret, uh, really like the secret source of, um, of Meraki success. I would strongly recommend if you haven't had a good look at Systems Manager already, uh, to please go and have a, have a good see and see what we've added to that during 2015. We've added a significant amount of functionality there. Joe touched on this earlier on in his, uh, his uh, section. Uh, I'm particularly thinking about the ability to tie together endpoint policy with a network infrastructure uh, impact. So, example, we require have a passcode on your iPhone. If you don't have a passcode on your iPhone, we can take action uh, after interrogating that device through the systems manager profile that's sitting on it, we can identify that it's non-compliant, so we now know its posture, and we can take an action based upon that. So, for example, we could then instruct the network infrastructure to block you from accessing certain more sensitive parts of a company network, for example. So, systems manager goes way beyond just being able to uh, to do play around with a few settings and push apps out to the device. It's really uh, integral to managing a complete environment because, of course, the infrastructure is just one part of it. Uh, the endpoints that are connected uh, um, are also a fundamental part of that. Sorry, Joe's just trying to distract me with some silly words on his screen, uh, which I shall ignore. And the very last thing I'm going to say today is I'm going to leave you all with a teaser. Uh, we're going to be back in just over a month's time with more, with more launches. We have more coming for you right at the start of uh, 2016. We're going to be hitting the ground running. So stay tuned. We've got uh, plenty more on this journey to take care of. That's great. Joe, with the silly words, do you have anything else to say before we end the call? We have one minute. Uh, I, I think Simon summed it up pretty well. And, and if he's going to give me uh, crap about letting go of some roadmap, then I think I should have some dirt on him as well. So that worked out nicely. Uh, no, I, I would agree with everything Simon says. And I do think that systems manager is the best product you've never heard of for a lot of our customers. And that's something we need to fix. Um, so it's something you're going to see a lot more of in the coming months. You'll hear us talk more and more about MDM because it's a key part of the unified Meraki management story and moving from managing the network the cloud to managing IT through the cloud and going all the way from your endpoint through your perimeter. So expect to hear much more about that and see more and more development around that product and new and exciting things coming with Systems Manager. Okay, great. Well, guys, this has been an episode uh, 46 of Cisco Champions Radio on Meraki. So I really want to thank everyone for joining, especially our host and our Cisco experts. So look for this episode and other episodes on iTunes and blog.cisco.com. And I've been, I've been Brianna Jordan, and I am also Brianna Jordan. And I've been the moderator today at Brianna Jordan 12. So tune in next week, and in the meantime, I'll see you guys on Twitter. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.